This is Combat Contenders Episode 8. Today, I'm joined by Brandon Sonoda, a Muay Thai enthusiast and training partner of mine. We discuss what it takes to be a good teammate and build trustworthy relationships amongst fighters and in the fight team. Today's episode is sponsored by Tenacity and Perseverance Clothing. TNP is a Latin-founded, faith-based clothing brand with t-shirts, hoodies, and other apparel. Use code DOUBLEDECKER15 to get 15% off at Tenacity, the letter N, PerseveranceClothing.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Combat Contenders after a quick holiday break. Today, I'm joined by one of my teammates from Chop and Chops MA, Brandon Sonoda. Welcome. Hello. I'm excited. So, if you've listened to the podcast before, I normally like to start off with a quick question of who is Brandon? And that can be any any way you want to answer that. It's a good question. Um, my name is Brandon. I'm 30 years old. I am a software engineer in New York, and I train at Chop and Chops MMA along with Christian. Um, other guests in the past have been like Jordan and, and Taylor, and those are all great, great interviews. Um, they usually go into like martial arts training stuff at this point. Yeah, if you if you want to talk about that at all, if that if that were if you would introduce yourself like that at a party, then go ahead. At a martial arts party, for sure. Yeah. So, um, what is what is some of your martial arts background? I think mine is a little bit different than everyone else's. You have a lot of people um, that have kind of grown up either in traditional martial arts like karate or taekwondo. I started training in 2018, so six years ago. Coming up on six years now. Um, done a lot of Muay Thai and then some additional martial arts along the way. So I know at Chop and Chops, I've done some boxing. Um, I've done boxing in other places as well. And then dipped my toes into the, the grappling world. So a little bit of jiu-jitsu, a little bit of wrestling. Yeah, and and one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on today is because, like you said, I've had a lot of similar experiences from a lot of people that have been athletes or have come up in the martial arts and stuff. I think it's important to also provide another perspective. And so for those of you that don't know, I joined CHOPS, the MMA gym that we both train at, in the fall of 2022. Um, and at that point, Brandon had already had his first Muay Thai smoker fight. Is that correct? Um, I think so. That was probably June of 2022. So you weren't even at the gym yet. Correct. I think I... I realize that. And what I really want to talk to you today about, Brandon, is that was kind of your last competitive first and last. step. Yeah, yeah, first and last into the combat sports, you know, arena. And however, since I have been at Chops, you have been an incredible and supportive teammate along the way because I've seen you how you interact with me during fight camps I see how you interact with other fighters during fight camps and I really want to kind of touch on that because as a fighter myself I've also had to be kind of like quote unquote the second fiddle sometimes when I'm not in a fight camp and I need to have support for other fighters fighters um my first question for you really is how important is the role of a teammate and having that support system during a fight camp for an athlete I think it's super important. Um, I don't know if I would consider myself more of a fighter, more of a martial artist, somewhere in between, um, really just like a hobbyist that likes to likes to throw hands. Um, but in terms of what someone needs in a fight camp, I think it's, you need like a whole village. Um, it takes a village to, to make a fighter. Uh, it's not just the, the physical training or kind of the mental preparation. Things... Um, and I know this varies from person to person, but like for me, you need like an emotional support from someone who's gone through the same thing. Um, it's very easy to get like a girlfriend or boyfriend to be super supportive and that, and that's great. It's 100% necessary, but sometimes it feels like you want someone who's been through this and you want to know that what you're going through is normal um, just because it's a crazy thing. You're getting to a ring. And you're letting another another full adult beat the crap out of you and you do violence against them too um it's just not something that that one does and how important do you think that it is to have 
appear like that rather than like a coach because i definitely know like everyone has coaches and a good coach should definitely have gone through the experience before but how do you think that dynamic changes when it's another peer or i would say contemporary or colleague of yours versus a coach mm -hmm. i think we have a pretty good coaching system at uh at chop and traps where we have Jaime, who's been on the podcast he'll gas you up he's like everything's going great you're doing great you're looking great um punches are hard and you have ray that'll like push you further and further so like you have a good cup bad cup kind of vibe um and i i imagine they'll they'll agree with that to some extent um but I think it's also nice to get someone's perspective that can both gas you up when you are doing great. Um, like maybe you're having a hard day, everything feels like it's going wrong and falling apart. Um, they'll be there to support you. And then when you're slacking a little bit, they'll, they'll give you a little bit more. Uh, they'll start poking holes in your defense. They'll, they'll push the rounds a little bit harder. And I think having someone who's a peer, it, it feels a little bit better when they do that rather than uh, a coach that you either want to be always pushing you or always supportive, if that makes sense. That, uh, that definitely makes sense. And as, as someone who has gone through it before, um, I guess I kind of want to take a step back for a second. Do you have any intention of wanting to fight again at the moment? I obviously can change in the future, but as you right now on January 7th at 3 p.m., do you ever envision fighting again in the future that is a great question i think taking one more step back i never thought i was going to have a fight um i think i started martial arts i told this to ray like my three goals for kind of anything uh martial arts slash fighting related are to to feel good to fight good and then to look good kind of in that order and it's like a little bit jokingly um but number one, I just wanted something to do. We were talking a little bit before pressing record. Um, wanted something to do that was fun and engaging that kind of like increases uh, my quality of life. And I think martial arts is a great way to do that, whether or not you want to step into the ring. Um, so I wasn't ever going to have a fight. I just started training and with nerve. So every I get good done spy or start to like analyze what's going right, what's going wrong, start to perfect things and like just get a little bit. And then at some point, I may kind of convince me to, to take the fight. And I think my initial reaction was it's crazy. Who would want to, who would want to do that? But then I realized, I think the biggest blocker for me from doing that was kind of the fear is it it's a crazy thing to do stepping in so i thought it would be good to overcome smoker and then since then i think my training is kind of level so to circle back to your question would i ever do another fight um i think right now i'm not in kind of a close fight shape i could get there i'll relatively risk uh it wouldn't take too long, um, but it's it's a huge time commitment. I don't know if you've talked about this with other fighters, but just the level of commitment to go from uh, average competitor in a in an MMA gym to actual fighter at the gym, um, it's like a part time job. One hundred percent. Yeah, we've we've definitely touched on that a lot on the podcast. It's kind of interesting that you say. I actually saw this video the other day. Um, have you ever seen the movie Three Ninjas? No. Is it like Teenage Mutant? No, it's four. Four it's, ninjas. It's three teenagers, kids that are like their granddad's like Japanese, but they're like they explain it in the movie like their mom is like half Japanese, but they're like basically just white kids. Um, one of the kids was actually a martial artist. One of the kids actually became a Red Power Ranger, on like the Power Rangers series wow. like he like and now he owns his own martial arts school and like teaches karate and kickboxing and stuff like that and I saw him on like a, a an Instagram reel or TikTok or something the other day saying the majority of martial artists are nerds so it's like funny yeah. you say that like yes there's there's obviously there's people out there that are like you know the mainstream UFC guys that might not quote unquote be nerdy 
but I mean like you're a software engineer our coach Ray loves anime and Pokemon I like draw letters all day like I obsess over typography like Mm -hmm. you have to have a certain level of like obsession to this detail and there are so many other martial artists that I speak to that the reason they got into martial arts was because of like the Power Rangers or like anime or something like that so it is kind of like I feel like a weird paradox that people like perceive fighters as this one way and then we're actually not like we're the most like I always I always think of that like one Mikey Musumeci meme where he's like in his little collar wearing glasses and all like childlike and chilling and then like you see him grapple and he's like oh he would rip my knees apart yeah exactly it's like it's a weird thing so and i think that was an important thing to touch on but um how do you think you brought up changing the quality of life and the commitment it takes to camp and going through all that So for me personally, whenever I have to support another fighter in camp and I'm not fighting, it's definitely something that I take very seriously. But at the same time, there is a certain ego that fighters have, and I think you have to have an ego to be a good fighter, and I think I've talked about this on past podcasts, there's a difference between being cocky and having an ego. Um... And I think fighters have to have an ego and you have to think you're the best. You have to think you're going to win no matter what. So it is sometimes challenging for me to support another fighter and not quote unquote be in the spotlight, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. For you as someone who doesn't want to fight again at the moment, how does that experience kind of work for you? I think one of the super useful things is when I was in camp, and I don't know if you go through the same thing, it's easy for my mind to shift into like, I'm super into, I don't want to say egotistical, but like, it's all about me. I need to focus on me. Nothing else matters. Or it's possible, but it doesn't happen that frequently where I can like take a step back and think about things a little bit more calmly. Um, You just have so much adrenaline and fear and like, you want to push past where you were Um, it's super important and i think it's easy to see fighters do that um where they'll have a great sparring day maybe one round doesn't go that well and then they start spiraling after the round um and as someone who's not in camp i think i don't have all these emotions um i'm not staying up thinking about it Um, i don't have a fight date to push towards it's easier for me to before the rounds kind of have an ego mode and like i'm gonna put it uh say christian today um and i'm gonna give it everything and then as soon as all the all the rounds are over it's easy for me to take a step back and realize i don't have to go into a fight in in three weeks um i can kind of take what i saw during the rounds and and um up them out yeah like i mean one thing i noticed specifically is For instance, if I'm sparring you and I'm preparing for a fight and I'm also sparring another one of our teammates, but they're also preparing for a fight, there is a certain level of, I think it's, I think, I think it's different and there's a skill level thing in some cases where I have fought a lot. And so I'm in the experience, I've done a lot of fight camps where with you, if I smash you in a round whether it's because you're letting me work or i just had a really great day or whatever reason if i smash you around i don't necessarily feel bad but if i'm if i smash another fighter for the same reasons in in a round when they're also preparing for a fight there is a certain level of a mental switch that flicks in me okay let me back off for a second like i need to let them work too and i can't like completely destroy their morale you know what i mean yeah. So for it's you, it's a very tough balance because I want to make you mentally strong. I want to make you physically strong, but I don't want to make you have any confidence issues. Exactly. Uh, so do you do you exist in that in that realm too? Because when I'm sparring people that aren't preparing for a fight, even another fighter, like let's say, let's say I'm sparring another fighter that isn't preparing for a fight during this fight camp, I don't feel bad about smashing them if I do. You know? Yeah. 
Whereas if they're preparing for a fight, there is a certain level of like weirdness. But if I'm sparring you or another teammate that isn't preparing for a fight, I don't feel bad about smashing them. Do you kind of, how do you kind of walk that line of, I want you to put in work. I want you to recognize your holes, but I also don't want you to completely get crushed and like depressed. Yeah, it's tough because for someone who's much lighter than me, so like a 120 pound woman versus you who walks around at, you fight at 140, 135. So you're like much larger. Um, Those rounds are going to be different in camp, out of camp. It doesn't really matter. And I think as someone gets, I guess for some context, I walk around at like 160, 165, 5'10". So medium sized pushing i don't i don't know larger <laughs> are tend well, to be like more smaller fighters yeah um, so someone who's pushing larger um when you have another fighter who's cl- close to or better than you and close to your size you have to push them harder so it's a lot harder to find that am i am i fighting too hard in these in these hard sparring days mm-hmm. uh, so i think for me and you specifically I have to push pretty hard um, to to get the reactions that I want from you. Uh, so for us, it's probably a little bit more dangerous for me to to push too hard. Um, and I think it's better as long we don't ever go crazy against the head or anything. So like it's it's pretty respectful hard sparring. Um, it still sucks. It's still awful, but it never feels too dangerous to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's probably better for me to go too hard against you and then make sure you're more emotionally supported afterwards. That was, that was going to be my next question mm-hmm. is how do you kind of reconcile that? Because again, th- throughout a fight camp, there are highs and lows. There are some days where I might, everyone I spar, coaches included, that I am just untouchable and yeah, smash. And there are other days where I get the person that's preparing for their first smoker and I just get utterly destroyed and completely down in the dumps and be like, I suck. Like, what am I mm-hmm. doing? And then obviously there's people like you that can be a 50, 50. I feel like, again, like you said, we have relatively hard spars sometime and mm-hmm. it can be difficult and it can be challenging as a teammate to a fighter. And this is kind of like the advice I want you to give to everyone that's listening right now. How can you, emotionally support fighters and i think that is a big thing that teammates can do that coaches necessarily can't tap into because it's hard there's some sort of hierarchical complex there versus a teammate you're kind of on the same level how can you support that emotional feeling and reconcile that yeah so i think this is one of the points where you're gonna have to put your ego to the side um oftentimes when i'm sparring and someone punches me in the face i'm gonna pretend like it didn't hit me in the face um (laughs) If they kick me with something and it really hurt, I'm going to bite down on that mouth guard and try my hardest to not show it. Um, but when someone, like say you and I are hard sparring on a Friday, um, I'll tell you things that go through. Not to like gas you up or anything, just to let you know that things are improving, whether you see it or not. Because one thing I think that's pretty difficult is... Your hard sparring on Friday or whatever day that you do that. Um, and you're getting better, but all of your teammates are getting better too. Mm-hmm. So the progress you feel is uh, going to be a lot lower than, than your actual progress. So I think kind of letting your teammates know kind of honestly what they're getting better at. And sometimes it sucks, but what they need to work on is that kind of honesty is super important. And I think it's easier to give for a teammate than it is for like a coach or 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 a coach, yeah. Yeah, and so a lot of this is definitely technique-based and kind of like, again, like you said, not gassing up the fighter, but necessarily just, you know, letting them know when they land stuff, letting them know where their holes holes are in their game. And that definitely does tap into a little bit of the emotional side of things. How do you, I mean, I can speak to personal experience dealing with you, but how do you go about outside of technique, 
outside of the you're doing this right, you're doing this wrong. What are some other ways that you support a fighter during camp? Yeah, so I think there are a few things. Um, one thing I think is super important is there are emotions that you feel like after you have a bad round and then there's like all the spiraling that goes on top of it. Um, so say I have a really bad round and I'm feeling awful. And like this went wrong, this went wrong, this went wrong. Um, and I have this laundry list of things. You're going to feel bad. I think that's, that's okay. That's natural. That's normal. Feel those emotions and feel them as strong as you'd like. I think at some point it often turns into this went wrong and I'm bad. This went wrong and I'm not good enough to be this, this fighter that I want to be. Um, so trying to find where your teammates are at and make sure that they're allowed to feel their emotions because I think those are super important. Um, but make sure that they're not spiraling into to making personal statements about themselves. That yeah, and a lot of a lot of this stuff is definitely reactionary. Um, I guess what I was going to ask is: there is there anything that you do proactively? You know, like whether mm -hmm. a question you first ask when you walk in the gym, or is there anything you do just kind of like on a consistent basis? Whether it's checking in, asking certain questions outside of a reaction to a negative experience or a positive experience. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. I think one thing kind of technique based is find holes in your, um, in your teammates game and, and poke those holes. Um, it's going to make them feel bad, but it's going to help a lot. So it's not your job to make your teammate to gas your teammate up or to make them feel good. Uh, it's your job to make them better. So, Sometimes that's being super nice to them, and sometimes it's being super mean. And and fighting that balance, I think, is tough. Um, but in general, I think they appreciate it. I don't know. <laughs> For sure, I I do. Um, and how do you? I think I think in fight camp specifically, especially at some of the earlier amateur levels. Fighters go into a fight camp very specifically and focused on sharpening a specific tool set, I think. I think that's a lot of the cases for a lot of the fighters we have is we obviously have a well-rounded tool set, but then there's something we really want to pull out and focus. And that comes from the coaches a lot of the times. It comes from a conversation that us as fighters have a conversation with the coach and say, here's what I think we should kind of sharpen up and work on. Where do you think your place is in that? That is a good question. Uh, I think it's different for every fighter, and it's sometimes pretty clear what a fighter's game plan should be. So, like, if a fighter hits really hard, I'm not going to tell them to throw out 5,000 punches. Um, maybe I'll try and help them throw out a few punches and then land one super strong one, um, which is a good game plan. So trying to work with someone to help them find a game plan I think is super important and coaches can do this um, fighters can do this by themselves but I think teammates can do it as well because it's I'm watching you fight all the time I'm fighting with you sometimes um, so it's easy for me to have a perspective that's a little bit different um, uh, obviously don't have so much of an ego that if the fighter says I don't want to do that let it go I think it's much more important for someone to have a game plan that they're comfortable with rather than, quote-unquote, the best game plan. Um, and and kind of in that tone, do you ever find yourself in kind of like a full circle and close out to this section, do you ever find yourself adjusting your style to maybe match what the fighter needs to come up against or sitting back a little bit more because you know the fighter needs to work or do you or, or if you know someone's a southpaw and they're going up against a southpaw would you ever just switch like what do you ever adjust that or do you just let them work against you yeah so i think for extreme cases like southpaw versus southpaw i'm not going to change my stance i don't know how to do that i don't think it'll be beneficial um even if it's more similar to to the end to the end fight uh but in terms of changing my style, I'll definitely have different focuses for the different team members. 
It's like if someone is leaning a little bit too much on that front leg, maybe I'll just start chopping at it. Um, and for someone like you who has more of a karate base where you can you can move around very quickly, um, maybe I'll push certain aspects of my game um, to kind of make sure that you're more well-rounded. Uh, so I think this goes back to finding people's um, areas for improvement and, and poking and prodding at those. Uh, but if someone has a specific uh, goal as well, we can also work on that. So if someone wants to be more aggressive, I'll do nothing. I'll just stand there the round and we'll look at each other like a couple of idiots. And I think <laughs> you're going to remember that more than us having like a quote unquote good round where we both have good exchanges. Uh -huh. um, I think that's, that's super insightful. And then pivoting a little bit, we've talked a lot about the mental and emotional and definitely technique and physical aspects of it. And people that know me are probably going to laugh at this next question that I have for you. And I feel like you're going to laugh too. Nutrition during a fight camp is obviously very important. Yeah. How obviously you're not dieting. People don't expect no. you to diet and nutrition with fighters. But how, if any way, can you contribute and support a fighter in maintaining their proper diet and supporting their nutrition in that way? Yes, step one is make sure that they have a diet, i.e. they're eating food. Because if the fighter is not eating food, they should be eating food. I'm not looking at anyone specifically, but... Um, in general, I don't know how it is at most gyms, but we keep light tabs on people's weights throughout the camp. And if they're generally trending towards their fight weight, I think whatever they're doing is fine. If their energy levels are high, generally fine. Uh, and I know some people work better without a lot of restrictions. Um, when I try and lose weight, I obviously tend to get a little nerdy about it. So I'll count calories um, with like my fitness pal or whatever apps that they have, um, which I know some people think it takes a lot of work. For me, it's not that big of a deal because I tend to eat the same thing roughly every day or I can if I, if I have a specific goal. Um, but whatever is working for a fighter, I try not to change because there's many paths to, to where you want to go. And if it's working, it's better to let someone to make their choices. And then just kind of like a whole, I guess, roundup of a fight camp journey for a teammate and a fighter together. How can you as a teammate help the athlete kind of manage pressures and expectations leading up into the last few weeks of camp? Is, is, is how you spar and interact with an athlete different from how you spar and interact with an athlete during their last week of camp? Yeah, I would say the last week, everything is set. So there's not much I can do at that point. I'll kind of work backwards because I think it makes a little bit more sense. Two weeks out, I'll let them work a little bit more and the rounds are going to be hard, but I'm not posing as many problems, if that makes sense. So say someone needs to work on checking kicks, I'm not going to be slamming those kicks in. I think it's better for them to work maybe on the conditioning or kind of their final game plan. Three weeks out, four weeks out, that's when I'm kind of and I'm trying to break you mentally. Because you have enough time at that point to, to build yourself back up. So kind of knowing where the fighter is out in their camp and making sure that everything you do is helping them. I'm not saying that breaking your teammate mentally is good. Or I'm saying probably don't do it last week and it's probably fine in the middle of a camp. Um, and that's... Outside of camp. Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, and I think that's super important what you said about knowing the fighter. I mean, I feel like team bonding and community and friendship is so important in this because it's not like you can just show up twice a week and know what I want to do. Or it's not like I can just show up twice a week with you and feel okay kicking you in the legs a million times. Like I guess some, some psycho people can feel okay doing that, but <laughs> how...
how important do you think building like a sh not just a team bond but like a strong inter-team relationship not only between teammate and fighter but fighter and fighter and teammate and other teammate for example how important do super you important super important it's hard to trust people's feedback if i know i've had this i'm sure you've had you've done martial arts your whole life people will walk up from the street maybe they're better than you maybe they're not when they give advice on that first day, I'm not listening to any of it. Uh, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you think you are. But I think once you realize that this person is trying to make you better, not trying to make themselves feel better, but trying to like make you a better fighter, um, it's a lot easier to, to, to take that feedback. Another thing is you're going to be spending so much time with these people. It's so important to to want to come to the gym. If it's something that you dread doing and you hate the people, maybe switch gyms because you're just going to be spending so much time. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I guess what advice would you give to teammates, potential fighters, athletes out there that really want to kind of get into this role? Because I feel like specifically at our gym, there are some people that want to join the fight team, whether because they want to fight. I know that some fighters, some people want to join the fight team because they want to fight. I know other people want to join the fight team because they really want to be involved in the process and supporting and help grow and cultivate the team. What advice would you give to those people that really want to get into this role? I think number one, it's all about the fighter. Um, at the end of the day, I can help you out as much as I, as much as I can but I'm not stepping into the ring. Maybe someday I will, and, and those those roles will change. Oh. But when I think of you guys as my friends, when your friends step into the ring, you want to make sure that they're stepping out on top. Like, it doesn't matter how you get there, if it's, like, difficult conversations, if it's hard rounds. Oh. Like, that's kind of where you want to be at the end. How you get there... Oh. I think consistency is important. There are some really good fighters at the gym. Maybe you won't see as much. And I think it's more important to have someone that really knows your style, that really knows the, the styles of the other fighters on the team, and then someone who's technically the So showing up, putting in the work, being willing to to receive feedback as well, just to make sure that at the end of the day, even if someone is higher skilled or more athletic or has some better attributes, you guys are kind of equals. You guys have things to give to each other and it should feel that way at some, at some point. And do you think joining a fight team, there is some kind of like dues that need to be paid in a way? For instance, like as a new person joining the fight team, and not necessarily hazing or, you know, but a certain level of you're new to the fight team, you're bottom totem pole, you need to support. For instance, if someone new joins the fight team, you need to support Brandon because Brandon's supporting Christian. You need to, if you see something wrong with that Christian does, maybe talk to Christian and Brandon about it so Brandon can like... Do you think there's a certain level of hierarchy there or do you think it is equal in a sense? I think it's pretty equal um, from teammate to teammate. But at the same time, if someone's in camp, the fighter's at the top, the coaches are, are next tier, and then everyone else is at the bottom. Um, outside of camp, I think it's pretty, pretty equal. Um, in terms of paying your dues... For me personally, I want to know that someone else in the fight team is willing to put in the work, is willing to to make themselves better by by having harsh feedback. Maybe not harsh feedback, but hard to hear feedback. And is willing to go through the grind, which is a little bit different from the hard work. Because I know there are some people who are really good at at kind of like putting in the 9 to 5 every day. Um, but there's something different about having just hard, hard rounds and then wanting to come back the next day. 
I know we'll see people who will spar hard and then we won't see them ever again. <laughs> and that's, I think that kind of lack of consistency makes it really hard to trust, to trust that they're going to be a good teammate. They're going to be good in your camp. Um, yeah. And I think, I feel like I've mentioned this before. I think that one of the things we do, and I don't look at this as hazing for our team, but anyone that wants to join the fight team, we make them do our shark tank. Oh, I was going to talk about that. Which yes, preserves, which for, I honestly think it is. And for those who don't know, it's one minute at a time. You go against everyone in the fight team without a break. So if there's 10 people there on that day on the fight team, you go 10 minutes straight. Maybe we'll drop it to 45 seconds to be nice, but against everyone with no break. The goal is not to do well. The goal is not to test your partner. The goal, the goal is to survive. Yeah. And more importantly, I think the goal is, okay, that is what one round will feel like in a real fight. You now need to help support all the fighters. Be okay with that. And now you need to know if you still want to fight, this is like what you're preparing for. Yeah. And so and I think it's really important. So yeah, go ahead, add to that, please. No, super important, super important. I guess rule number one is don't ask for a, a shark tank. We've had people at the gym do that. It's not a good look. Um, but in terms of the actual shark tank, what I'm looking for, you can get your ass kicked. I'm okay with that. We all need to get better, and you're you're getting beat up by the people on the fight team. Uh, what I'm looking for is someone who can still push. Like I'm looking for a little bit of of drive delusion like yeah not stopping no matter what mm -hmm. and i think at that point everyone on the fight team is going to be gassing you up we're going to be saying swing even if it looks awful if your hands are up because at the fight if you are outclassed we still want your hands up and you swing in 100 uh, percent. so we want to see that you have kind of that fighter spirit and then kind of i'm looking at how they're reacting afterward there's some people who kind of spiral, and I don't think that's the end of the world. There's a lot of emotions. Uh, but I want to see that it's kind of inspirational. What I look forward to is not necessarily directly after it, but is when they show up the next day, are they ready to go back to work? Yeah. I think that is yeah. very important and speaks a lot to what you were saying about being consistent. And mm -hmm. as a fighter... I'll, I'll kind of get a little personal now for a second. As a fighter, you don't go out. I, The only time I see my girlfriend, who I've been with for six and a half years now, is at the gym, because she thankfully comes to the gym as well. It's occasionally on a weekend, and it's not for anything. I can't eat. I can't go out. I don't, <laughs> you know, like... Wait, pause. You, you can't eat, to be clear. I can eat, yes. I can eat pizza and nachos right. and yeah, yeah. Popeyes, but you know. I can have cauliflower and chicken, um, but it is a very depressing, lonely, I think that is what people don't understand, a lonely experience. And so being able to put your trust and confidence into a teammate that you know will be there every day, I think is super important. And yeah. I think the Shark Tank, by beating someone down like that and then seeing them come back the next day that kind of does instill that level of trust being like okay like you're someone that i'm starting to be able to rely on now yeah and for a lot of people it's their first introduction to hard sparring so it does weed out some people that way it's a great thing uh <laughs> it's a little it does feel like hazing here's here's why i say here's why i say it's not hazing and I want to do an episode about this, about McDojos and hazing and cults and rituals and stuff like that is there's a benefit to it. Yeah. To me, to me, I don't have a problem with tradition and cults and cult like traditions. For instance, in jujitsu. Heard it here first. For no, like for instance, in jujitsu, yeah. when you get a belt promotion that there's a tradition, you walk down the line and get slapped in the back. Yeah. You cannot tell me that there is a functional purpose to that. Right. Like, I'm not saying it's bad. Just, I'm calling it what it is. It's a tradition that's like a, it's a quote-unquote cult-like tradition. Yeah, they it's, don't get their brown belt powers from being it, hit with the brown it's, belt. It's almost like saying, oh, I won my fight. Now I'm going to walk down the line and take a cross from everyone in the face. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
Go so, for it. No, no, yeah, if that's a, like, sure. Like, but that's dangerous. The belt thing is yeah. dangerous. But like, you know, I do karate. I bow on and off the mats. I like say yes, sir, to instructors. Like, that's like a tradition and cult-like thing that I have. And I recognize that that is like a traditional mm-hmm. cult-like mentality in a lot of aspects because there's not necessarily a beneficial functional value to it. So right. for me, the Shark Tank has like purpose. And so while, yes, it might be a, an introduction, a like rite of passage, to me, it's not hazing because it's not like a stick a plunger up your ass and go run across campus. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Very specific. And maybe we'll unpack that in a future episode. Yeah. I think it's super beneficial. Yeah. I went to art school. I went to art school. There were no fraternities, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So pivoting a little bit. So we went Mm -hmm. through the fight camp. You support a, a fighter all the way up until the last second. Sometimes I've had teammates in the back room with me holding pads, warming me up, etc. Post-fight. I think it's win or lose post-fight. How important is it to continue to provide some sort of support and encouragement after a fight? Win or lose? Win is easy. Win is always easy. Um, there's some psychos who are still sad after they win and they're like oh i should have done oh yeah we're talking about you i'm able to do this i should have done this looking they won they'll be fine do you once when when someone wins do you ever like hype them up a little bit like hey we worked on this all camp and like you freaking smashed in the ring like do you kind of acknowledge that work we'll call out what went right um and i'll acknowledge what went wrong i'm not gonna ask I'm not going to just avoid those. Um, I guess on top of everything, I'm always just super proud whenever someone gets into the ring because that is the biggest step. I think full stop. I think, I think this is, I think that's a very important thing is I say this to people all the time. The quote is like you already, you're like, you're very like, you're very brave or you already won when you step in the ring. Like that's an accomplishment in itself. Not to take away from that. Mm-hmm. I always say it's always brave and it's always an accomplishment when you do it again. Yeah. I believe that. I think. Because I feel how bad it is. Exactly. But yeah. So, yeah. so winning, like you said, obviously easy to support a fighter. Hey, this was great. You did great. You freaking smashed it. Go, 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 go. What are some of the things that you do as a teammate if someone, that the decision, the decision or fight does not go their way? I guess the first thing is let them have their space. People take that in many different ways, win or loss. It's just so much emotions, so many emotions. Um, to give them their space, I know our gym will go out um, for drinks and or dinner after. And I think that's a super, super productive kind of cult-like behavior. We start to celebrate this together. And I think that's important. Um, I think they'll take a week or two off. Then it goes racing ball. Drink. You want to say they from a hole in their game. You want to fill that hole without making them fear it. So say they took a lot of leg kicks. You want I wouldn't bring it up too much, but maybe when you're sparring, I would just spam low kicks, for example. Um, find ways to to fill this hole without making it a thing in their head, because as soon as something gets in your head, it's so hard to get out. Especially, I think a lot of non-fighters don't know this. It's easy to rationalize, like, oh, I need to check kicks. But as soon as that adrenaline starts pumping all of these decisions get taken out. You're not making any decisions. So it's, all, it's literally, I don't think I truly understood what muscle memory was until I fought. And I've been an athlete my entire life. I played pretty competitive soccer, but there was always time to decide what you wanted to do in soccer. Right. I had, I had quote unquote muscle memory. Like when I wanted to shoot the ball a specific way, I didn't think, I need to hit it with this part of my knuckle on my foot and swing through this way and land on this foot. I just thought 
okay, let me take a second. Let me shoot. I want to shoot it this way. And then yeah. I shot it the way I wanted to shoot it. To me, that was muscle memory. Right. But in a fight situation, it's so different. It's truly, you don't know what's going on. You, you don't even process what's going on. It's, I, after you, my smoker, you my leg hurt, and I'm like, I didn't check a single kick. I don't know what happened. You parry or check or throw across, not because you wanted to, but because yeah. it was drilled into you when, oh, when someone throws a jab, parry cross. And that is just drilled in, and it's truly like your body is making decisions for you that you don't even know that you're doing. Yeah, that's a little bit of a tangent, great, but yeah. No, I think the crazy thing, the way, the way, the reason I brought this up is because you're not making decisions, but that little voice that says, you're not good at checking, that still remains. That's still there. You feel like I can't check this, mm-hmm. this bad thing's going to happen. They're going to sweep me. They're going to knock me over. Those little voices stay, even if you're not making any decisions on top of them. I think that was, that was, that's a thing for me is confidence in it. Yeah. I think. If I'm very good at something, I will assume other people are good at it, and then I get fear to do something. For instance, let's say it's it's yeah. it's clinching. My very first camp, I put so much effort into clinching because, like I said, I did karate my entire life. I never, mm-hmm. no one ever grabbed me like that. So I was so afraid of doing that that I worked so much on it that in my first fight, I dumped the guy nine times. Like yeah, <laughs> like where did that come from, karate boy? Like I think it's a confidence thing to be to be able to do something and know how to deal with it yeah yeah no i 100 percent agree and go ahead i think we made a lot of this conversation about how you're supporting a fighter and i just kind of want to close out in a way why do you do it like what what do you get from this like what is your reason for doing this it's a good question. A lot of times I'm joking that Ryle makes me do it, and that's why I do it. Um, honestly, that's not the real reason. Uh, one thing I definitely get is I, I get better. We're hard sparring. You get to spar with uh, the best fighters in the gym. Who doesn't want to do that? Huh. You are paying for it a little bit. Like You're you're not in camp, but you're, you're not not in camp at the same time. So making these kind of efforts kind of pushes you to the next level, which is something that, that I value a lot. But I think the second thing is I'm in this cult. I don't know how I got here. I don't know when everyone else arrived, but we're, we're in this family. Making sure it's getting super cheesy, but making sure that the way your fighters walked into that cage is the way they walk out. Super important. I mean, I for me, whenever I see when I'm not in a fight camp and I'm in the crowd watching our fighters fight, I am so into it and I am cheering my lungs out for them. I didn't hate it. I when I, oh, it's stressful for sure. But even it's when stressful, yeah. Even when I'm in a fight camp, depending on how early the other people's fights are, I'm watching the Instagram live in the back. I am especially being the captain or co captain, sorry, of the fight team. Mm-hmm. I feel a certain level of like pride when they do well. Yeah. And I care about their performance, not only for them, but like for the gym, for you, a teammate, to be able to see that as well. Right. Like I think it is very, like you said, it's a family and you want your family to succeed. Yeah. Whether or not you're the one stepping into the ring or not. And then I guess the very last thing I want to close out with is do you have any final advice or tips for outside of a fight camp? How, because outside of a fight camp, I agree, we're all on the same level. Whether you're a fighter, whether you're a teammate, whether you're in the fight team or not, whether you're just at the gym, because even if you're at the gym, you're still a teammate and you're still a very crucial part of the team what what is that like what is how does that ecosystem exist 
Yeah. I think outside of the fight camp is when I get all of the benefits for being on the fight team. So that's when you and I will get to play with or play around with new techniques. Uh, we'll do light, fun sparring. We'll get to enjoy kind of this family that we've built together. Um, so I think it's not too much stress outside of the camp. At the same time, make sure that your other fighters on the fight team are, are coming to class. They don't drop off the face of the earth and, and life comes up. And, and yeah, I think outside of the camp is great. It's always, it's always a great time. Um, no, I definitely think that's important. It's, this is the time I think, I think some of the times outside of a fight camp are the times that you build things that are extremely beneficial in a fight camp. And yeah. by that, I mean going to dinner with your teammates, hanging out and watching fight events. We spam memes to each other all the time in Instagram. Yeah. Like that level of trust that we're talking about, that level of understanding, not only who you are as a fighter, but who you are as a person, I think is very important. I think beginning to cultivate that similar relationship with people that aren't in the fight team is important. Yeah. And I think I think teammates that aren't fighting serve a very important bridge between those two groups. I think yeah, this for definitely. me for me when I joined Chops, I saw the people that were already fighters and like I need to get there. That's what I want. That's what I need mm -hmm. to do. And I wanted to surround myself with the people that were on the fight team and the teammates and be like, hey, let's like spar. Let's because it definitely felt like there was like this level shift that needed to happen. And I think I think sometimes for people not on the fight team, it can feel lonely and separate and kind of demotivating. Yeah, especially the ones that are right on the cusp that that are having good rounds. Mm -hmm. I think when at a fight camp, I think that is a super important thing now that you making sure during fight camp, it's easy for kind of all of the fighters and all of the people on the fight team to be sequestered for one half of the gym. They're not sparring with anyone else. They're not conditioning with anyone else. Everything is kind of separate. But outside of Colin, that's when you have new techniques. That's when the worst with the, the newer fighters. Jewel. So having the community in the fight camp is gym one. Super. Brandon, I really appreciate your insight into a lot of the things we talked about today. I think it is going to be important for a lot of fighters to hear this, for a lot of people that are on a fight team to hear this, for a lot of people that want to join a fight team to hear this. I think we touched on a lot of important things. So thank you for giving your insight today. Well, thank you. This was super fun.